Hey guys, Chut Chut, welcome to Tuscan Radio. My name is Drew Gretsch, and today I'm talking about Star Wars Revenge of the Sith because there is no news this week. There is no news whatsoever to talk about. We have nothing. Oh, you know what? what there is there is one thing. Um, uh, so there's a rumor coming out going going around that Andy Circus. So this is coming to us from MakingStarWars.com, which is pretty re- which is a uh, you know pretty re- reliable sometimes. Um, they've heard that Andy Circus is returning to the Star Wars universe in Andor. Now, so, you know, this person, no, so this site, uh, you know, they broke the news that we were getting Pedro Pascal in The Mandalorian, you know. Uh, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis, which they also reported, has not yet appeared in, in Star Wars. So, they've heard that Andy Serkis is going to be in the Andor series. So, I... It... This is the question now. Is Andy Serkis playing Snoke in this new series? Or is Andy Serkis playing a new character? I think Serkis could... I I think it it could go either way. I'm going to go like 95% chance this is a new character if he's in the show at all. Because Andy Serkis is primarily a, a visual effects actor. I, I think, like, like if you saw his face, I I may be wrong on this, but I feel like the only thing that people know his face from is Ulysses' claw in uh, Avengers Age of Ultron and in Black Panther. And then, of course, he's going to be... He's going to be playing Alfred in The Batman in March. But, you know, he's played... He played Snoke in the sequel films. I don't think that we're at a place yet in the timeline. We're five years before the events of the uh, Battle of Yavin. I think of this series, right? Because it's... Right? The, 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 this series is five years before uh, Rogue One. Which is, you know, then just same year as uh, A New Hope. I think the point in the timeline is way too soon. And I also don't think Andor is really the right show for that. I I really don't. Like, The Acolyte? Yes. Kenobi? Yes. Well, maybe Kenobi. But The Acolyte, definitely. And and I think that show is going to deal with the origins of Palpatine a lot more. But I just don't really see him playing Snoke. I, I think Snoke is just... Like, assuming that... We're seeing the origins of Exegol and what Palpatine did there in the Bad Batch. We got that first tease at the end of the Bad Batch season one. And then if like we're seeing these first like versions of Snoke coming around in the Mandalorian season two, which by the way, one year ago this weekend uh, was chapter nine, the Marshal, which you guys know is one of my favorite pieces of Star Wars ever. I absolutely adore that episode. So... Yeah, I just don't... 
I have a really hard time believing that this is uh, Snoke. And even Circus being in the series, I don't even know how likely that is. I mean, you can look at the MCU, and I mean, I think the main exception here with the MCU is Gemma Chan. She played the character Minerva in Captain Marvel two and a half years ago. And, you know, this week she's coming back. She's returning to the MCU in Eternals. I'm super excited for I've I've read the reviews. Don't worry. I've, I've read the reviews. I've, I've heard those reviews. I'm still insanely excited for Eternals. And we will be covering that on another Marvel podcast. The Instant Reaction is going to go live Thursday night. Full podcast on Sunday. Um, but yeah, so that's... The precedent is there to play multiple characters, especially with Andy Serkis, uh, mostly working in CGI. I think that's very possible. I think that's very, very possible. Um, but yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think my, my prediction is late February or early March for Andor to premiere. Well, that's, that is all the Star Wars news for this week. Yeah, that's all the Star Wars news. And I actually want to go into some theories now. I want to go into some theories now. Because I was watching, you know, Revenge of the Sith this past week. In preparation for today's show. And I noticed something. Well, it wasn't really just... So something was just like a thought, just like you know, we've seen the relationship between Anakin and Rex, and I mean also Rex and Ahsoka evolve and grow throughout Star Wars: The Clone Wars and into Star Wars Rebels. We got we saw that a little bit with Cody. We saw that a little bit with Cody and Obi Wan. Okay, and. There are a couple of lines in this movie in, in Revenge of the Sith, and, we're, and the, my theory is going to make sense here, so we're kind of starting it, the uh, Revenge of the Sith stuff right now. But Cody's line, like, to Obi-Wan when they're on board the ship and Obi-Wan's uh, go- going through the plan about how they're going to capture Grievous, uh, Cody says, come on, when have I ever let you down? And I was just thinking about that line, like, you know, you know what, what would be really, really cool? I want to see in the Kenobi series next year, I want to see Kenobi and uh, Cody, Kenobi and Cody meet up again. I want to see them meet up again. And I want Obi-Wan to like have to make that choice. I think that would be really really emotional and considering like just the ways that the Star Wars universe is evolving and like had doing fan service right. Star Wars is doing fan service right at the moment. Um in the Mandalorian. You know, like and I think we can like look at two non-Star Wars examples of fan service and how it can be done well and how it cannot be done well. I think if if you want to look at fan service on the right way, you look at Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame is the most fan service movie I've ever seen. But 
the fan service has an important storytelling purpose. And it's a look back at the last 11 years of storytelling. From 2008 to 2019. So Endgame does it the right way. But then you look at The Lion King 2019. I don't know if I've said this before on the podcast, but... And again, I've only seen the live the quote-unquote live-action Lion King one time. I saw it in theaters two and a half years ago. And I truly cannot distinguish any difference whatsoever between the original Lion King and the twenty nine and the twenty nineteen Lion King. The twenty nineteen Lion King is a half hour longer, and I see no difference. There is no difference at all. So in story wise, storytelling wise, there's no difference. So yeah. Um I I think we can, you know, just seeing how well Star Wars and the Mandalorian have treated the fans and given the fans quote unquote what we want. I I think is a, v- a very important step and I really think we could see Cody and uh Obi-Wan meet up again in the series. You know, also, you know, because Hayden's going to be in the Kenobi series, this Vader, and it's like, you know what, let's get him on the Ahsoka show for a day or two. Because by no means is Anakin in more than two episodes for maybe like three scenes each. I, I, I truly don't believe that Anakin Skywalker is going to have more than three or four scenes in the Ahsoka series. I I really don't. I really don't. And I think even that is pushing. I think like two of those could be flashbacks. And the other two could be the force ghost of Anakin communing with Ahsoka. That's what I think that could be. So, and you know, Tim Morrison being all the clones, all the live action clones. And him being in the Mandalorian season two and doing his own spinoff series now coming out in two months. Two months until we get the book of Boba Fett. That's something I think is really, really possible, is just seeing, you know, maybe we see Rex in the Ahsoka series for a limited time. Um, But I I think there are a lot of clones we could be seeing in these shows, and I'm so happy about it. I'm happy about it. I remember talking a couple months ago when we were still talking about the Bad Batch. And and not that we're, we're ever going to stop talking about the Bad Batch. Just like that, that's when season one was airing. That's when we were talking about it mostly. And I was thinking, like, how could it be if in, like, Andor or something? We just get to, like, see a live-action hunter. I don't think they're going to do that. I, I don't think they're going to do that because it's too soon for these characters to be in live-action. It, 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 it is. It's too soon for them to join the live-action side of the, the Star Wars world. Um... Because I think you need to have that weight. You need to have that weight. Because seeing Ahsoka join live action for the first time was such a special 47 minutes. Of seeing, you know, 
for for me, my favorite Star Wars character brought to live action in the most respectful and honestly the best way possible. And I love chapter 13, the, the Jedi. I love all of season two. I believe that the Mandalorian season two is a perfect season of television. It's a perfect season of television. Even chapter even chapter 10, The Passenger. Which I remember when we talked about that almost a year ago. When we talked about that episode almost a year ago, next week it'll be a year. I remember just saying, like, you know, this is, I think, the first episode of the show that I haven't loved. And watching, you know, the show on a rewatch, it's just like, you just go right to the next one. It doesn't really have that effect, you know? It's just another part of Mando's journey. It's important. It's important. So, I I think that Chapter 10, The Passenger is really when Din Djarin learned what it means to be a father. I believe that's the episode where he learns what it truly means to be a father for Grogu. But but, but that's just my, my opinion. That's just my opinion. You guys can tell me that I'm wrong or whatever because that's what us Star Wars fans do. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so... Let's get into... Um, Revenge of the Sith, my favorite movie in the Skywalker Saga, my second favorite Star Wars movie in total. We'll, we'll be talking about my favorite Star Wars movie in uh, three weeks, three weeks, uh, November 19th, Rogue One, we'll be talking about that, I'm, I'm so excited for it, I'm so excited for it, um, but yeah, let's talk about Revenge of the Sith. And this is, I feel, the first movie in, like, the saga that I can actually, like, review. You know? Because I, I really hate talking negatively. And this is, I, I, I truly feel, this is the Star Wars movie that I know the best. Is Revenge of the Sith. This is the one that I know the best. And you can just tell. Even the first shot. Like, the first shot of this movie is beautiful. The first frame is Beautiful. It goes into that long one take action sequence. It's it's awesome. And you can tell from the first second, this is the story George wanted to tell when he set out to do the prequels. It was all building to this. It was all building to this. This which would finally like truly bridge the gap and we'd understand every moment of the original three films. This movie's The Connection. This movie's The Connection, Revenge of the Sith. And watching this movie, like, just... Because I, I binged all three pre- prequels a couple weeks ago. Watching all three of them back-to-back. Even though I have the context of the Clone Wars series. And everything that, that led up to it. Anakin's turn to the dark side feel, still felt rushed. It still feels rushed. And that's been fixed. It's been fixed through the show. And it's beautiful now. It's a beautiful story arc that we see. We see it the first time Anakin is on screen. 
see the first time Anakin's on screen in the Phantom Menace is you can just tell that there's a darkness in him. Even as just a little, little boy, you can tell there's a darkness there. So that's something I think is really... Uh, I think that's a great through line that George developed. I I really do. I really do. And this movie, I, I truly believe this Revenge of the Sith is the quintessential perfect Star Wars movie. Of what George, the types of movies that George wanted to do. Because this movie is the perfect balance. This movie is the perfect balance of what George was trying to do in the first, which was have a really great political story. And, you know, having a war. Because the, the main conflict is that the prequel films don't start until the end of part two. And we jump into part three and, you know, it, it's almost over. It's almost over. So, I think, I just really love, you know, the dynamic between all of the main heroes. The, the heroes of the story. Like, Anakin, like when, when people first saw New Hope, Luke was the hero. Luke was the hero. And then now that we can look at this at the nine part saga as a whole, it's all still the story of Anakin Skywalker. It's all still his story. You can look at the prequels where it's the rise, it's the rise of, of, uh, Anakin. The originals are the fall of Anakin, and then the sequels are his legacy. And we'll talk about this more when we get into the sequel films, particularly in The Last Jedi. But that's something I think the sequel films really failed to do. Because they had... The the sequel films had... The knowledge... The, the 2020 hindsight of... All sex. All sex. They just had to continue the story. And I like the sequels. I like the sequels. I just don't really feel like... They I, they, they were more of a continuation of episodes 4, 5, and 6 than they were of George's movies. As, as a whole of George's movies. It was... You know, I, I, I get it. I get it. Um, just because they're, they're closer in timeline. They're, they're more beloved. But I think that the story of the prequels, particularly, like, if you guys have the chance, watch this movie. I'm sure there are, like, a bunch of, like, I, I watched this about a year ago. The, there's, like, the, the four-hour cut of Revenge of Seth. They had the movie, but then also had this, had the CG Mandalore in it. If you watch this with the CG Mandalore, and I think now, like, we've also got, like, the Bad Batch episode one and stuff. You do all that together. I think that that's like what? Like a five, five and a half hour movie. Like that's awesome. That's awesome. So 
just the the, the cuts that like intersperse with the the siege of Mandalore, and it's like you know watching this movie also with the the hindsight of what is happening, and now that we can see Order sixty six, and that scene still brings me in tears every time. That scene brings me to tears every single time. But then we also have, you know, the knowledge of what's happening to Ahsoka. To Kanan. To Cal Kestis. We know, like, all these... All the, these Jedi are, are, are dying at the same time. They're all dying at the same time. And... I think that if George had spent more, and look, I don't think that you would have the time in these three, in the first two movies, to set up the, these other characters like Ala Sakura, Kiati Mundi, Plo Koon, Adi Galia. You don't have the time in the first two, in the first half of three, to set them up the right way so that these deaths really mattered on May 19th, 2005. On October 29th, 2021, when you've seen all the Clone Wars and you know these characters and, like, you know... And you know just, like, how important Plo Koon was. And, like, honestly, just also how instrumental Plo Koon was with it, without his knowledge, even, of what's happening in Order 66. Because Plo Koon's when you brought Ahsoka to the temple. If Ahsoka was never a Jedi, if Ahsoka was never a Jedi, then, then you know, I, I don't know if Anakin would have turned. Because Anakin, at this point, has lost so much faith in what the Jedi were supposed to do. Because... Looking at what he's done, looking at what Anakin has just recently done, um, he's been to Mortis, but that's been away from his mind. He, so he, he doesn't remember his future that he saw on Mortis, but he still went there. He still went there. Um, he knew about Krell. He, he knew about Krell. He, he was there at the Citadel. So... You know, he saw that the Jedi and what they had to do was flawed. Like, Anakin is, I think, if the Jedi had been like, all right, we're going to decide that some of you are going to become generals. I think, you know, you got people like Anakin Skywalker and Quillen Voss. Mace Windu, probably also, would be really great generals. But then Yoda and... Obi-Wan would, you know, stay and be more the the, the, the counselors, the, the counselors of the Jedi Order. So, I just, I think that when you look at Anakin's full arc, um, what was the episode where he was like, how many other lives have, have I been totally counseled? That was when uh, Obi-Wan was undercover as uh was it 
Morala evolve, or was that the lizard dude? That that was the lizard dude, right? Let's let's just check. Morallo Ival was the lizard guy. Yeah, he was Rocco Hardin. He was Rocco Hardin, and Obi Wan didn't know about that. And he was like, "How many other lies have, have I been told by the council?" And then the hubris that the Jedi had when they expelled Ahsoka. And all that was so recent. It was all so recent. Um, and then, you know, maybe this has something to do with it. But Obi-Wan... Or not Obi-Wan. But Anakin and what happened with Echo. In the first couple episodes of Season 7. I think that all of those things led to, you know, we know that all those things just led to Obi-Wan, or not Obi-Wan, Anakin's turn to the dark side. And the dreams that, the, the, the dreams that were put in his head by Palpatine just brought it all. That, that was all of it. And then that, that was the final straw for Anakin. He's like, I'm, I've lost faith in, in the Jedi. I honestly think, though, that Anakin truly lost faith in the Jedi at the end of Season 5, when Ahsoka left the Order. That was when Anakin lost faith in the Jedi. And then we see his turn. We see his turn. And the score... From John Williams in this movie, the, the the score in this movie in particular, but all three prequels, is so tragic and operatic is the only word. This is an epic film. Revenge of the Sith is an epic film, and I really um just this. this it's a perfect movie. It's per not. A, it's not a perfect movie. It, it, there's a perfect story. There's a perfect story, and you can see. You know, and also in the CG Mandalore, the CG Mandalore works so incredibly well in the context of Revenge of the Sith, also. And you can see that the. You can see all the wrong dominoes are falling for a happy ending. You can see everything is falling. And something I've been thinking about since the Siege of Mandalore happened was what was Anakin, or not, not what was Anakin, but what was Ahsoka going to tell Obi-Wan? And she was just like, tell, tell Anakin. And Obi-Wan just goes, I will. We don't know what it is. And I've been thinking about that. And then watching the movie this past week. It's when it clicked. Obi-Wan did relay Ahsoka's message to Anakin. And the message. Which I think we can see in season 7 episode 5. Gone with the Trace. When Ahsoka says... 
when uh, I think it was it's Rafa. Rafa says, um, no, Trace. Trace said this. Where did you learn to fight like that? And Ahsoka says, my older brother, Tommy. The moment where Ahsoka's message gets through to Anakin. Now Darth Vader. But there's a little piece of Anakin still there. That moment. And the message was... Because when, when Obi-Wan says this, he's not only speaking for himself, he's speaking for Ahsoka as well. In the message, you were my brother, Anakin. I loved you. And that moment, that moment just, it the immolation scene always made me tear up. But watching that scene again this week destroyed me. It it destroyed me because it's so beautifully written. George wrote this movie. It's a little choppy still, you know, just like the other prequels. It's a little choppy. Lucas' dialogue is, is very, I'm going to say this, and now you're going to say this, and then you're going to say this, and then I'm going to say this. It's it's very just choppy, just dialogue-based, but... I think George is a great director. And directing that scene, I, I want you guys to go and watch the documentary w- within a minute. Making of episode three. It is, is it on Disney Plus? It's not on Disney Plus. I, I, I believe it's on YouTube. I believe it's on YouTube. And within a minute, Star Wars. Um, here it is. Yeah, it's, it's on YouTube. You can, you can find it. The just just the way that that scene because it it goes through the entirety of like the entire production of the Mustafar battle, and by looking at just that battle alone, every department had to come together to create it. It was it's beautiful scene. Um, I love this movie. I love this movie. It, I I think it just brings the most, it it brings the most mythology into Star Wars, I, I feel. It does. It does. And it's... This, by no means, is a perfect movie. This, by no means, is a perfect movie. It's got a great story. It's got great visual effects. This movie's held up insanely well. Perfect score by, by John Williams, as always. But this one especially, is, as I said, this this score especially is outstanding. And, you know, again, just the, the way that it's been brought forth through the Clone Wars and into Rebels, and we see all the dominoes falling, we get to, you know, get a sense for the clones, and we really get to feel like how hard this is, not only for, for the Jedi, seeing them die, 
but the clones, because we've also spent seven seasons getting to know them. You know, following the story of of mostly fives. Him being a a reg, not he's just a foot soldier who you know became an arc trooper, and. You know, I I don't think all the clones had... I think a lot of the clones did have that sort of relationship with the Jedi. I think everyone in the 501st did. But then you had Jedi like Pung Krell, the worst character in all of Star Wars. Who treated the clones as machines. Not as people, not as soldiers, not as brothers, but as machines. And... I think that that in particularly caused the downfall of the Jedi. Not just Pong Krell, but allow but but the Jedi allowing themselves to fight in the Clone War and lose everything that they once stood for. That's what caused the downfall of the Jedi. I think that if Qui-Gon, if Qui-Gon was still alive and was a Jedi during uh, the events of this movie, then he would have definitely, you know, been able to sort of sway Anakin. Qui-Gon communes with, with Yoda. Qui-Gon communes with Yoda, but he, he, he doesn't with Anakin. And I think that's because Anakin sort of closed himself off from the light. Because Anakin wasn't really, you know, no admittance except on party business, you know? So, this, this film is just, is so incredibly well thought out. It's so well thought out. And I really want to see the Lucas cut. You know, I'm, I am I do think that there's a Lucas cut that exists. I mean, I think, didn't um, Ian McDermott sometime this past year just say that, like, you know, there was an R-rated Revenge of the Sith with, like, because George did do a lot more of the Jedi... Order 66 stuff that was just cut. It was cut out of the movie. And I just really want to see George's tradition. And I think, you know, I, I, I do think that George is very pleased with the movie we saw. I don't think it's like a Zack Snyder or J.J. Abrams thing. I, I really believe that it was cut for time. And the movie we still got is still phenomenal. Revenge of the Sith, Revenge of the Sith is a phenomenal movie. So, yeah, I am done gushing now, done gushing about Revenge of the Sith. I, you, you guys know how I feel. You guys know how I feel. Um, Alright, I, I guess if I have to say something negative, I'm just going to say that Padme dying of losing the, the will to live is really, really dumb. Um, About as dumb as I don't like sand. So, yeah. Um, 
yeah, so that's going to be it for the podcast this week, guys. We're going to be back next week with a review because we're continuing the Star Wars films in release order. So next week we got Star Wars The Clone Wars, the animated film, the only animated Star Wars film. Well, you know, that to me is the worst of the Star Wars films. We're still going to be talking about it. We're still going to review it. Maybe it holds up better now that we've seen all seven movies. So, yes, thank you guys just so, so so much for listening. I'm Drew Gretsch. Go follow us on Twitter, at Tuscan Radio Pod. Go leave a five-star review, and and we'll read it on the show. And that's going to be it. Have a great Halloween, everybody. Uh, Send me a picture of your Star Wars Halloween costumes, because... I really want to see those um, if you're doing that. Yeah, thank you guys so, so much for, for listening. It's also been two years since Mandalorian Season 2. It's been two years. And it feels like it was six months ago. It's been it's been a year, and it makes me sad. So, thank you guys so, so much for listening. I'm Drew Gretsch. May the Force be with you always. I have spoken. <laughs>